0: This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund.
1: Flag, you're high. No light to
0: I'm Kenji Cataldo.
1: I'm Suyuno Amos.
0: Each week, we'll be talking story with grassroots community organizers at the forefront of progressive movements for change in Hawaii.
1: Over this series, we're featuring the 30 grantees who received community raised funds through the Hawaii People's Fund this year. It's our biggest cohort to date, and we're so excited to share their stories with you.
0: Today, we're continuing our conversations with opio leaders with Kainoa Azama and Elia Akaka, two founders of the Hui Civile Opiopio o Poco, or Ko'olaupoku Junior Civic Club.
1: It was so inspiring to speak with these two young leaders who have such a strong connection to both Kuleana and Kupuna. And I hope our conversation gives you some hope as well.
0: This was the first interview we were able to do in person. We met with Kainoa and Elia at their Parent Civic Club's office in Kane'ohe.
1: Okay, so we're here today with Kainoa and Elia. Um, Would you both just wanna go ahead and introduce yourselves and the Hui you're representing today?
2: Sure. Oh yeah, I guess I'll start. Uh, my name is Elia Akaka. I'm from Kane'ohe here um, in Ko'olau Poko in O'ahu. Um, I'm currently a student at UH Manoa, um, but in terms of this uh, organization, I help to run the, um, the interaction side somewhat of our organization, which is the Huisi Vila o, o Ko'olau Poko, the Junior Hawaiian Civic Club of Ko'olau Poko.
3: Yeah, and then um, my name is Kainua Azama. Um, I hail from the Ahupua of Heia, just north of where Ilya is from, um, still in the district, the Kalana of Ko'alaupoko. Um, and I am currently the president for our organization, for our junior Ko'alaupoko Hawaiian Civic Club. Yeah.
0: Can you just tell us a little bit about who else is part of the organization?
3: Yeah, so right now there's, I believe, 28 members total, um, still growing. Um, We have still yet to launch our website, and once we get to there, um, it'll totally lift off. Um, But we have 25 youth members, so those are individuals who are 25 and under, and then we have three Makua um, members who are educators in our community working at um, different high schools.
1: Wow, 25, 28 total. Okay, awesome. Um, Well, maybe... I'd I'd love to hear how um, the junior uh, Poco Civic Club came to be, like how, what was the whole origin story for you folks?
3: Um, Yeah, so when it came, when it um, comes to our origin story, it really came from a calling from our kupuna um, in our community, um, because we're we're underneath, we're like sort of a branch out of the Poco Hawaiian Civic Club, um, which is our parent organization, Um, and the Kupuna have been long um, waiting for youth to get involved. Um, so this was a avenue to get things started. So it started off with just messages of, should we do this? Should we not? Do you want to do this? Who wants to be a part of this? Um, and then eventually, we came to this sort of collective circle table. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add, Elia.
2: Yeah, I think it was a really cool opportunity that came up at an interesting time. Um, I was not of was involved with the mother club. Um, the uh, prior to the founding of this club, but I wasn't—we kind of just knew each other through um, through school and some community stuff. Um, and so when it, when he had um, said that he wanted to start the junior club, um, I had been doing some family research, um, genealogy research, and I found that my great-grandparents, um, who they Long story short, they were both, um, grew up in the plantations, they moved, um, their families moved here to work in the plantations, but they were the first in my family to move to Kaneohe, and they were um, members of the Civic Club as well, and so I just found that out, and I was learning all these different stories about that, and Kainoa had brought up um, that he wanted to start the Junior Club, so uh, I thought that was an awesome opportunity to join in.
0: And <laughs> how did you connect with the other people who were sort of part of the founding group?
3: Oh, connecting with the other people? Um That was a matter of word of mouth, and also knowing... um, Living on an island, you know, things are so small, everybody's connected. And once you start seeing some frequent faces at different cultural events, um, at different I don't want to call them protests, but get-togethers. <laughs> um, you you sort of start to build that relationship with other individuals, and even building relationships from cultural programs at um, when I was at Castle. That's how um, some of my other friends got involved too, because they're classmates. Um, and then, of course, like Ilya brought up, meeting other people in the community um, through now college, um, and then slowly consolidating who's like your neighbors, recognizing those faces, and then bringing them together. Um, just doesn't hurt to reach out, and the next thing you know, they start telling other people, and you know it expands. Like I said, the island's so small.
2: Yeah, very <laughs> much coconut found out
3: from Auntie um, Lauren. Lauren, right? yeah.
2: <laughs> so she she's a um, teacher at Castle, but um, she's my my partner's auntie. Mm-hmm. So she was like, "You guys should totally sign up for this." There's this guy, his name is um, Bronson Kainoa, and he's starting this club. And we're like, "Oh yeah, we know Kainoa." So that's kind of how. Yeah. Everything fell together. Yeah,
1: And beautiful that you that had that synchronicity that you'd just done that genealogy work.
2: Yeah, it was so. kind of, yeah, it seemed like it was a, a sign, yeah.
1: So your main project, as I understand it, that you're working on is you're making the name signs for the Ku'e Petitions. Maybe could you just, you know, give us a little background, a little history on what the Ku'e Petitions were and their significance?
2: Yeah, so the Ku'e Petitions um, were first signed and put together in 1893, um, following the overthrow of the Hawaiian kingdom. Um, And it was basically—the community came together, and they said that um, this is not something that we want, basically. And so people came from all over, um, throughout the islands, and had signed this petition um, in whatever capacity that was. Some people, you know, they would just write their first name. Or sometimes it would just be just some type of mark even. Um, but throughout the islands, from Hawaii Island all the way to Kauai, um, in each district, there's a, there's a collection of these names. And these names were taken um, to Congress, I believe, to the US Congress, to show that um, the Hawaiian people didn't um, approve of this or want the, um, the overthrow. Yeah.
3: yeah and um it was a petition against to like adding on to elia's point um the interesting thing about it is like of course this is back then before cell phones you know they're operating on newspaper was the twitter back then um but advertising a lot of meetings and these meetings were happening across the Pai aina like he's saying um with i think it was two organizations right hui aloha aina and then um, was it hui kalai aina i can't remember the yeah, second I mean, round of the petition um, but in those um, organizations, they compiled a list of um, petitioners um, against annexation because this was the um, Kue petitions of 1898. And in that process, they acquired, was it 98% of the population of Hawaii at the time?
2: I know it was in the 90s.
3: Yeah, it was in the 90th percentile. Maybe you can look it up and fact check that. Um, but it's just. Um, phenomenal, because how, how many times do you hear that that many people agree on something from a given place? And on top of that, like there's stories like even like in my family where like only the eldest signed the kue petitions on the understanding that this was also like a, you know, you're putting your life on the line in a sense because you didn't know how the other end was going gonna to react to seeing your name, seeing your family. Um, so the oldest in our family signed at that time, um, and the rest didn't. So even with it being in the 90 percentile, there's also that other percent that people don't think about that um, wasn't that supported, but just were out of fear of putting on their name.
0: How did you first learn about the Kuei Petitions? Like, where did you hear about that? And also, what does it mean to know that, you know, an ancestor of yours signed it?
3: Yeah, so um, my first um, encounter with the Kuei Petitions was um, in high school when we're learning about history, but we're fortunate because we had a teacher who was willing to teach actual history, not his story. Um, That's oftentimes put. We didn't do anything by the book, Um, because actually in modern Hawaiian history, which is what we study in high school, um, in the public school system, they don't really teach all that kuei petitions, and I think the—I first learned it from um, my—going back to that point. um, My teacher, who was Colleen Everett, um, Miss Everett, she taught at Castle High School, and she was um, really teaching all of those how it really impacted us. Um, and when you, when you start to realize that over, that many kūpuna re- decided to put their life on the line in a sense and just resist annexation. You know, there's a part of kuleana that comes to it when you find out that your ancestors was one of those individuals. Um, and like, especially when you're going through your own process of also resisting without knowing your own history. You know, because like I didn't have any stories passed down from the family. It's only like finding out recently, then you ask questions. Um, But um, just it's really validating to to know that your act of resistance isn't new. It's something that's been around for a while. So why are we making it like such a weird thing? Or sometimes some people, you know, they react to things differently. Um, So it's when it's really something that's sort of engraved in us, I feel like. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything to add to about how you learned?
2: Um, Yeah, I think... um Well, well, I kind of went to a, not unusual, but I would say atypical um, elementary experience. I went to a um, Koyaha'o church school, and it's a Montessori-modeled school. So um, the classes were really small. Um, Grades one through five was combined in one class, and there was still only about maybe 15 of us. Um, But my teacher, he had studied Hawaiian studies. Um, in school and he was really into that. So all of our projects or whatever we learned from like math to English, everything had to do with like Hawaiian history. And that's that was how he connected it um, uh, and how he taught and yeah. And so I kind of learned about it from a younger age, um, but wasn't too familiar with it. Um, but I remember that they had at the Bishop Museum, um, I was maybe around 10. 10 years old, they had done uh, an exhibit on the kuei petitions, and um, I remember going with my grandma, and my grandma, she's part Hawaiian, Um, her family comes from Hana Maui, and we went and we were able to find the name of one of our family members um, in that petition. And at that time, I didn't fully understand what the petition was for, Um, but I just felt super cool <laughs> yeah. to know that my family was like a part of this thing and that I'd, even though I didn't fully understand what the movement was, um, I knew that it was a big movement. Um, and like uh, Kainoa was saying, um, realizing that it's this kuleana or what we do now, is it's not necessarily a new thing, you know, it's something that we're continuing, especially knowing that our um, kupuna had done it before. So yeah, I think it's realizing something that's really cool, but also something that we're just continuing and adding on to, and lucky to be able to jump on the back of those who came before us to do this work, yeah.
1: I think that's the perfect moment, you know, when you're talking about continuing something that has been already occurring, um, to talk about your inspiration for this project, right, came from similar projects um, by Auntie Lynette Cruz and Auntie Lena, Lena? Lena. Lena Spain, yeah. Suzuki Kalamai. Um, did you wanna just talk about like that inspiration and how you found out about those projects and what you found um, impactful about them?
3: Yeah, Auntie Lynette and um, Auntie Lena's projects. Um, first, I found out about Auntie Lynette's because that was um, prior to Auntie Lena taking on the um, name signs for um, Wayanaimoku. Um, and Auntie Lynette's project um, really drew me too because when, um, I think it was on the palace on like, I think it was like uh, July 4th because we always do our thing at the palace. <laughs> And um, in resistance to Independence Day, you know, the Ku'e continues. Mm -hmm. Um, But she had all the name signs. And I've heard about it from um, my Auntie Kara was involved with the Hui Aloha Aina prior um but i never really saw it until that time and then as and they just needed help with putting it away so then i helped put it away and it actually ended on my kupuna um from my hanai side which was on the makikau side um because uh, my stepfather is a makikau and he's sort of who raised me um and on the makikau side um it was abel makikau who was his like six, seven generational grandfather. And then on top of that, the second time I helped her clean up at another event, I ended on my my mother's side, which is the Nuhiva side, Georgianne Winfred um, Napaipai, I believe. It wasn't Nuhiva at the time. Um, but it was just a, it's like this calling, you know, that sort of, It's an interactive form of learning, too, and it's something that I feel like when you see their names, you connect to it. Because now you don't look at it like it's just like a piece of paper. It's like there in front of you. um, And it's constantly calling you. And then when Auntie Lena took the project and she added her twist of just doing Wainai Moku, the question began of like, okay, they're doing it there. So why aren't we doing it here in our district, in our Moku, in our our Kalana? Um, And then do you have anything to add to?
2: Yeah, I think. for me personally i know i'm a visual learner and i feel like a lot of people in our generation are visual learners and to see um like Kaino was saying it's one thing to see a bunch of names on a paper but to see a plaque for each person and seeing rows and rows and rows of people you can just imagine um, sorry rows and rows and rows of names you can imagine how many people you can like physically see those people and then understanding that from those people, their, their descendants are still here today, right? So for each plaque, there may be 10, 20, 30, who knows how many descendants from there. Um, and in a way, it, it's, for me, it's a reminder that we all came from, or a lot of us, have these connections to these people who felt this way. Um, and we're really driven by aloha aina. Um, so I think for for us for this project or maybe even just for me personally I don't mean to you know whatever be braggy or anything but just how I view the project um I I think it's a way for us to like connect to our aina even if maybe the people the, the members of the club aren't um from this place understanding that um it's talking about Um the fact that we're honoring those who were in this um, area, um, who, who lived here, and their connection that they had to the Aina, I think that, that's a way for us to rekindle our connection to and show Aloha Aina in one of many different ways.
0: Yeah, how many kupuna from Kaʻōlapoko will you be making uh, signs for?
2: Yeah, so for the um,
3: Huyaloha Aina petitions, which I believe is the only petitions that have been found so far, um, I think they're all still looking for the Kalai Aina, but on the Huyaloha Aina side, there have been 148 um, signatures um, from Armoku alone. Um, and that's inclusive of the men and the women. I, I, don't, I can't remember off the top of my head the, um, how many men sign and how many women, but 148 kupuna. That's
0: a lot of signs to make.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're grateful for the Hawaii People's Fund to make them.
1: Where are the signs going to be displayed?
3: Um, So yeah, that's the cool thing about our project, right? It's like we can move it wherever, wherever it calls. Um, So for now, we're still figuring out the programming and working with the schools, different COVID environment, you know, new silver linings. but of course, um, putting them out, laying them out in the schools, and then running a program around them um, to get at least the, the OPO to interact. Because we're fortunate in our MOKU where there are still a lot of like how Ilya saying, um, not all of us are necessarily directly from here, long generational stances. Um, but there are quite a lot in our Koala Poko that have been here for over 30 generations. So, there's, um, so connecting them to their kūpūna too is, um, One of the goals especially with the youth and then of course we can maneuver you know how things go people call once they find out about something um and working with other larger organizations too
0: yeah so i wanted to um take the conversation in a slightly different direction now just thinking about the present moment in the world where we're seeing uh, young people mobilizing on such a massive scale especially around issues like climate change but also others and i know that's something you've been involved in Um, I wonder if you could both talk about sort of the current political moment in Hawaii and the opportunities you see as OPIO here doing this work now, as well as some of the challenges you're facing.
3: I think one of the greatest challenges, of course, is that I think a lot of people forget too, especially when you're running like an indigenous movement. We have all of these other um, factors going on, all of these other responsibilities. Um, one to revitalizing something that's nearly lost. And then two also, once you start recognizing it, you have this larger kuleana to spiritual aspects as well. Um, but Given that we have we one of the things we share with the world is we have the same issues as the world, but on top of that we have all this extra, and I feel like that's the struggle too. Because on top of just um, dealing with issues like climate change, mass immigrations as a result of climate change, wars, etc., and then on top of that the military utilizing this place to extend its branch of expanding the vast frontier that continues to grow for some reason. Their frontier never ends. Um, sorry, little tangent there, but. <laughs> On top of dealing with all of that and all of these issues that stem from the world that affect Hawai'i, we're in the process of developing our own sort of redefine, like sort. What do you say? It's like revitalizing a nation in a way.
2: I don't know if I said that, but that sounds really good.
3: (laughs) We're in that process of revitalizing a nation, and on top of building a new nation, you have to think about how you're going to address all those issues, Mm because we're trying to develop a system that's not the same system, because it's the same system that runs off of exploitation of individuals and land but we're trying to return to be, being peely with land because in our perspectives right the land was created by the aqua and we're an extension of the aina too in a sense so hence we're also connected to Aqua in this um sort of triangular model of connection so it's like revitalizing spiritual on top of dealing with all these individuals who write policy and don't take into account the spiritual. But if we don't deal with the spiritual aspects, too, we face all these consequences and that we know it happens because we have so many stories about it happening. You don't have to believe in something for it to not be real. You know, just because you don't believe in something doesn't not make it real. Um, so we have all these layers that I think a lot of indigenous groups share, too. But um, I feel like that's one of the struggle addressing the issues that are Happening now across the world, while at the same time addressing your own geographical issue and your own people's history, um, historical issues and historical traumas.
2: Yeah, so I think for me, thinking about the idea of politics, um, I, I recently learned within the past few years, or it's been brought to my attention by one of my professors at UH, Kumulili Kalakamelehiwa. She she always says, you know, everything in Hawaii is political, no matter you know whether it be where, you, where you're gonna eat, or who you're gonna marry, or whatever it is, everything is political. Um, and that's because from that perspective, the Hawaiian perspective, everything is related and interconnected. Like Kainoa was saying, um, the aina, a lot of times aina is d- um, defined as the land, right? Aloha aina is love for the land, but aina really is the our ancestors. When the gods walked the earth, um, they gave birth to the earth, right? So there's the earth. The earth is a god in itself, and the gods were gods, and from the gods came the people. So for Hawaiians, the aina is not just land, something that we care for, but it's like our ancestor. It's like our grandma, our grandpa. And so I think thinking in terms of youth today, um, just reconnecting them to Aina and helping to create this um, realization of Kuleana, of responsibility, um, not just because it's some place that they live, um, but it's what they come from, you know, where they come from um, and kind of taking initiative to realize that um, we come from this place and we're privileged to, to be here. And so what we want, um, the good things that we want for this place, we're, we're the ones responsible to kind of make them happen and put them into into work, yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah, it really comes down to that, even that definition of aina, right? I meaning to eat, na meaning from. It's, this phys- it's, and it, it's not just talking about where you feed from physically, it's talking about your spiritually, intellectually. So many things come from the place, even like when, our, when we enter back into the aina, when our ev, our bones go back into the aina, all that mana is going to feed the generations to come, because our mana is in our bones, right? Um, and, and that's what we're trying to build, is that, again, that relationship, like Ilya's talking about, that relationship to not only each other, but also to the lands around us and the akua that dwell there, that we know dwell there. And it's hard to, in these in, in like sort of unnatural conditions that others have imposed upon us, because it's creating all these unnatural behaviors that we're now trying to undo, trying to go back to those natural systems, those natural relationships with each other and with the land. And I think that's one of the big challenges.
1: I think there's something that you said even just a few minutes ago that feels really critical to this question where you said, you know, like, the A petitions didn't come out until like 1993 or something around there. Yeah, in the 90s. And so that there's something about, you know, your generation where you do have this access to all of this information. And and so it's, um, in a way, and I think that that's been coming through really clearly in, in our conversation already so far, right? The Kupuna, ancestor, Aina, this lineage, you both were called really to this project by your own ancestors. And so there's like something beautiful about your generation having so much access to information and also just the strength of that line calling you, pulling you forward and backward, I don't know, whatever, you know, like there's, I feel like that's a strength really uh, of, of your generation. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you have any thoughts about that, but...
2: Yeah, I feel like um, we're fortunate definitely to, to be growing up in a time where we're more conscious and aware of that connection, um, and of our past, but I think that um, that pulling, that calling, that kuleana is something that's not um, like only for our, our generation alone, you know. Um, but definitely the the fact that we ha- we're um, being r- or have been raised in communities in in spaces where we we are able to learn about that um, even just in the educational system alone um, I think that's that's really important so we're definitely fortunate. Um, yeah, our generation. But that this is totally something that applies to so many different generations, we just yeah. are better able—
3: Kuleana is just evolving and growing yeah. again. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah, calling, it's such an interesting thing, right? It's like, you can't run away from it, <laughs> Yeah, because if you do, who knows what happens? I feel like there's worse consequences in, running, in knowing and trying to sort of disregard it than it is to just face it head on. Um, it's like such a, I don't know, I get sort of waxed from my kūpuna if I try to run away from a kuleana. It's kind of strange. I have all kinds of stuff happen, stuff like, I don't know. They have yeah. plenty of stories, but...
2: They'll, they'll pull you back. Yeah, they'll pull way. me back. Yeah.
3: You're like, you know what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and it's hard, too, because then even people who aren't necessarily, like, even in our generation, answering the callings, it's, um, it's... oh Gosh, how do you word it? It's, it's a struggle in a sense of also knowing that we need to answer our at the end of the day because things are changing, they're constantly changing, like you brought up climate change already. They're, regardless of whether or not you wanna do anything about it, there's a lot of bad stuff happening. And at some point, we're gonna be facing that reality when we need to address it. It's gonna be a matter of survival. Um, so it's good that we're starting now. I feel like that's one of the perks about the ancestors calling us. Maybe something's, maybe something's building. <laughs> that we got to face head-on. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there's an urgency there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Elia, um, you mentioned um, wanting to reconnect uh, young people to, to to Aina and everything again. And I just wanted to sort of generalize, uh, in a more general question, ask what your vision is for the future, both of you, thinking both for your organization but also for, for Hawaii.
2: For me, it's it's not necessarily like, changing or like, introducing a new concept um, and a new like, whole ideology of way of life. But it's just, re- it's returning to that that type of view, um, returning to, f- for, for me, it's centered around Aina and Aloha Aina. Um, and like, I know, like was um, talking about not only our connection with the land, but Aina as the connection that we have with people, all of those things that give us life. Um, and so just to have that recognition um, or that, that type of understanding and perspective for, for those who, who live in this place, um, that, that's my, my own personal goal. And I think there's so many different ways to um, kind of create that space um, and educate, I guess, in a way other people, but just to, to share that that type of perspective. Um, but yeah, just to create awareness and um, that perspective of aloha aina within other people.
3: Yeah, I think that vision is, um really the key to that Ilya is also talking about is that abundance of relationships, right? And like defining what is those relationships, even within our, organiza- our own organization, what are we building? Are we building an organization or are we building a family, and ohana? You know, there's, there is, it's very different values. I mean, yes, on paper, we're an organization because, you know, you have to be at all this rights to assembly and we're acting under duress under somebody else's law. But in reality, we're building community. And um, on top of that, when it comes to, like, our larger vision for, I think, Hawaii, not our larger, but, like, personal, and, because, you know, it's only true for you. It's never true for everybody else. Who knows? Maybe everybody got wonderful ideas, and when we pile together, we find out, oh, it's so similar, not same. Um, But building all of that ohana systems again, returning to that um, state of relationships. um, I know one kūpuna, he calls it returning to the doctrine of relationships, the pre-doctrine of discovery. I love that, because it's such a different relationship you have with land and people. Um, and, and on top of that, just to like getting, I think like for one of our goals as an organization is starting to develop all this strategic thinking for our generation to start seeing our Ohana systems as systems outside of that of, you know, break, developing the new system that we can all live in. Um, and thrive in at the same time. Um, And part of that too is building that multi-generational thinking, because going back to the Kuya petitions, I think that's part of it, is even if they, technically they did succeed, because there was never a ratification of a treaty. Um, They never got the the two-thirds vote. They had to do a joint resolution. But on top of that, their names are now pillars for our continued resistance. So thinking ahead, now we're continuing their legacy. So we are somebody's vision at the end of the day. And on top of that, we need to make sure that our vision, or what we're doing now, is gonna produce something that's gonna be, you know, somebody else's life, in a sense. Um, Thinking of, as like a lot of indigenous groups, and even Hawaii, we always say, think about the seven generations, you know, the next seven generations and the seven do something that benefits the seven generations ahead while also honoring the seven generations before Um, and you know it's more everybody has all these different philosophies it's what's a decision if not affecting all of time right and what happens when we implement those types of philosophies into our everyday life and on top of that into how our relationships are with each other and oh god forbid that word of governance but you know (laughs) all of those things what what is that that we're developing and how do we do it small scale in our own silos to eventually build and branch out.
0: Are there any kupuna, any mentors that you want to acknowledge in this space, or whose names you want to mention?
3: Oh gosh, (laughs) (laughs) prepare for the kumulipo now, (laughs) there's a lot of mentors. You have any you want to start off with?
2: Um, Well I would just like to uh, bring forward the names of my great grandparents, um, Charles Ahue and Jenny Sosa, they're the ones who originally joined the, um, the mother Civic Club, and so if it wasn't for that little hint that they dropped um, in doing my family research about joining the club, um, I probably would be here today. I'm still a member of the Junior Club, but uh, maybe not as realizing of my kuleana in this space. So I would just like to leave their names. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've had quite a few mentors. I'll just name them really quickly Auntie Mahilani Seifer, um, Auntie Rocky Kaluhiva, um, Gosh, Ramsey Tom, Auntie Lynette Cruz, um, and um, recently um, Kahu Kalani. And Kahu Kalani and Ramsey, they're fairly new, um, sort of I view as mentors of mine. Um, but the most important one is also my Auntie Noi. She, lived on, she lives on Hawaii Island. And if it wasn't for her, she she'd, I actually would go there frequently with her, and she'd take me around to all the different places on the island and tell me all the stories. And you watch the stories come alive as she tells them is the most amazing thing for me. And uh, that was only like—that was like four Five years ago, so that's how recent I've been like, getting involved. And after that, you can't, it's like how we were talking about earlier callings, where you can't turn them away because now they're present. I saw that Aina is something that's living, something that's breathing. Why can't I go home and see it the same way? Um, and, that's, and if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have even met all those other people that are listed. So another key thing with that Ohana relationship is so key into going back into where we want to be and at the same time who we were.
1: Beautiful. Um, I wonder if there's anything else you would like to share, or maybe if you want to talk about how our listeners could get involved with your work or support your work, if they're interested in learning more or supporting.
2: Yeah, so we're currently working on our website. Um, It's actually a branch off of the um, Ko'olau Poco Hawaiian Civic Club um, website. And so if you just Google Ko'olau Poco Hawaiian Civic Club, um, their website will definitely pop up and um, soon we will have a tab there where you can learn about more information about what we are, who we are, and even um, upcoming events that we might um, be having and how to, how to join, you know, mm-hmm. if if that's something that you're interested. In. Yeah.
3: yeah. And I think a uh, challenge is not only for the youth in our community, but across the world, you know, um, and not just youth, everybody. Um, to find those organizations that are in your community to do what you need to do to help your community to adjust the needs because we all have different needs based on where we're from all of it is unique to our, um, our setting um, and to get involved and to do whatever it takes to better that community because you know one person alone you know you can try change the world it's freaking hard and I'm not saying that people can't but it's a lot easier when you have multiple people doing what needs to be done everywhere that creates larger change. um, And yeah, that's what I'll leave it at.
1: Beautiful call to action there. (laughs) I guess just
0: one other question that occurred to me. So what would you say in terms of who should join a civic club? Whether if it's here, if they're around here, like uh, this club or a civic club that's in their uh, own community?
2: What would
3: we say? What would I say? Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah, I was my, the first thing that came to mind is who shouldn't join a civic club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Um it's exactly that. It's a club of civically minded people yeah. who are just doing what they feel is best for their community and those um yeah, for their community.
3: And I think goes back to like the queen's motto right oni, pa'a. oni meaning things are constantly in motion and pa'a meaning firm because we're in these changing times where there's so much information flooded on us and all kinds of pilikia you know all kinds of oh god roll your eyes sometimes but there's also the goodness um, <laughs> of things um, but just being firm and steadfast um regardless of the situation you know it, and no don't be afraid to make mistakes Cause I think I made like choke That's mistakes. Oh my God, still make right. mistakes. We all make mistakes, but at least we're making it early now. And even if it's not early in your life, like it's better to make it, learn from it and progress than it is to never start, right? Cause it's never too late to start. It's another thing, never too late to start and never be afraid to make mistakes. Cause it only just helps us become a better person.
2: Right, and to learn from other people and to be open mm-hmm. to other people's perspectives. And even if something is not necessarily called a civic club, just finding those communities within, or those spaces within your community, or like-minded people. Um, yeah, do that. Go really do that. Yeah.
3: Like how you brought up learn from others' mistakes, too. That's one of the best things about the Hawaiian Civic Clubs. You got all these order coupon, Okay, what did you do that works? What didn't work? Okay, let's not do that again. <laughs> you know, so much colorful discussion sometimes. Mm. Well, I think those
0: are some beautiful messages to end on.
3: Thank you both so much for taking the time
1: to talk with us. Uh, thank, thank you. you
0: for yeah. being here. Mahalo. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund, produced by me. And me. With additional support from... Mickey! Our theme music is Revolutionary, from the band Ukla The Mock, written and sung by Mickey Huihui.
1: Hui.
0: Production of this podcast is supported by a fellowship from Princeton University. Thank you to our community donors and to you, our audience, for
1: listening. In our next episode, we'll be speaking with Ka'e'a Hawaii. I always think back to you and I I don't know how you would mention like being in an uncomfortable place is going to push you to learn more and to keep going. You don't want to miss it.